It's Tuesday night, March 7th, and you're listening to a special edition of In the Bullpen, a World Baseball Classic edition with Team Australia manager David Nilsson. Welcome to In the Bullpen with Mark Dewey, sponsored by Developing Contenders Ministries. You're listening to the Fight Lab Feast Network. Thank you for joining us. And look who's coming up. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. Tonight at 11 p.m. Eastern Time, the very first game of the World Baseball Classic will be played in Pool A. Cuba and the Netherlands will face off in Taiwan. Tomorrow in Tokyo, Australia will play South Korea for the first game in Pool B. David Nilsson is the manager for Team Australia, and he joined me from Japan. David, thank you for joining me in the bullpen again. You are the first guest to ever make a second appearance in the bullpen, so I'm sure that makes you feel special. What a privilege it is, you know, from two different countries, too. Yes. I'm uh, probably the first one to come from two different parts of the world. <laughs> the first one we did, you were in Australia, where you are where you live, and now you're in Japan. And you are in Japan because you are the manager of Team Australia in the World Baseball Classic, which for us here in the States actually begins tonight with the Netherlands and Cuba playing, 11 o'clock Eastern time. You all will begin uh, again, I'm getting confused here on the days. You all begin tomorrow for us, but it's already tomorrow for you, but I'm confusing things now. So let me say this. Let me give some background. Some people, obviously, they listened to the first interview, know about this. Some, as baseball fans, know about this. But you were a player for Team Australia in the inaugural World Baseball Classic in 2006. Now you're the manager for Team Australia. You also played on the silver medal team in the Olympics in 2004 at Athens. And you spent almost a full decade at Major League Baseball or in Major League Baseball with the Brewers, the decade of the 1990s for baseball fans, the decade of your 20s as a human being. I think it was from 22 to 29. So given all of that, you're very familiar with Major League Baseball and the competition that takes place in Major League Baseball. And you're familiar with this kind of competition, Olympic slash World Baseball Classic competition. So talk about the differences. Take a major league game in season, maybe even a very important game. Think about major league postseason and compare it to what takes place in a tournament like this. Yeah, it's a great question, Mark. It's um, it's very difficult Sometimes to explain the differences because ultimately a lot of times the players are the same people. You know, you have the same people, just different surroundings and different background. But if you can imagine a major league spring training game where one game means everything. If you don't, if you don't win that game, you go home. So what what you have is you, you have a a lot more people preparing and trying to you know get the performance right for one moment where Major League Baseball, you have to perform every day, but it's more about running a marathon. It's more about this long endurance, um, dealing with so many factors, knowing that you're going to have ups and 
downs, knowing that you're going to have some, some high successes and some low failures, and that's all part of it. But in tournament play, you know six months out, eight months out, the team that you're going to play, you know the time you're going to play, where you're going to play, and if you lose that game, you're probably going to have a bad result in the tournament. That's one thing you have to deal with. And then the next thing you deal with is you're playing a different country every day. And so your preparation and even the style of play, the style of the opponent can just slip on a coin overnight. And that can be very challenging, you know. Um, so, so for athletes to try to peak and prepare themselves to the nth degree for the specific moment, that is a that is a very unique thing for a professional baseball player, and and you really only learn that through experience. Um, and again, I think I've mentioned to you before. It, it took um, Team USA four cycles of the WBC to to win the event to to really even get close. And a lot of that is about just understanding how to come together. It wasn't about talent; it was just understanding. You know, it took someone like Jim Leland to basically say, I don't care who the name is. Mm. I don't care how we're going to do it. It's going to be about the exact moment. So I know that may kind of simplify it, but um, it's, it's foreign territory. And I think that's why historically um, nations that are very parochial about playing for their country, uh, Japan, Korea, Cuba, uh, Australia, countries that grow up like that, they initially have had an advantage apart from having talented players. They understand when, when um, Shohei Atani joins team Japan, while there's a lot of media and while there's a lot of press around it, he slides right into a team. And when, when people in media interview me about Japan and say, what, who are the players? They say, I, I, I don't really focus on one player. They play as a team and you, you see them when you play against them. You see him take BP. It's not like a team of superstars. It's a team of really talented players, but they all know where they fit in. And that is such an advantage when you're trying to get everything right for one moment. Yeah, I can imagine. And that's, in my opinion, one of the things that makes the World Baseball Classic such a fun thing to watch because of all of those dynamics. But here's another thing that I think, and you mentioned it a little bit in your answer there to the first question. This is a very brief tournament, right? This first round's going to last four or five days. The entire tournament from beginning to end is going to last two weeks. But what about the preparation to get to this five days in Japan, the potential of two weeks through the whole thing? How far back does that preparation begin? Well, normally, you know, for, for a country like Australia, where we don't have this vast pool of athletes. You know, I, I don't look at the previous Major League Baseball season and handpick, you know, who I think are the best 30 Major League players. And it starts it starts a year to two years out. You start identifying a bigger group, guys coming through, guys who in the past have maybe played on Team Australia. And through being in the event, they've built up that experience. They've built up an understanding. And they may not be the big name that um, may you may think want to be selected, but the experience of the event absolutely carries a lot of weight in my selection. Um, and then you try to balance that with, with the talent, the, the, the guys who are performing really well. And then it's just about trying to get everyone on board where when you do get together, we got together two weeks ago, the, the large group, and then we, we had the professional players join us about five days ago. 
And, and really, we, it was just a seamless transition because of all the work we had done previously. The team had met six months to go. We'd had counts. We'd prepared. And I know it seems like a lot of overload, but yeah, you, you, you don't get a second chance. You have one moment. We play Korea in the opening game here, and we have to nail it. Our performance has to be to the T. It has to be your attention to detail. I can only imagine it's probably like Game 7 of World Series. That's all I can imagine. But if you could imagine having a two-week break between Game 6 and mm-hmm. Game 7, that's probably what it feels like. And then again, then you wake up the next day and you play a different country. And um, there's five teams in our pool, there's five teams in every pool, and only two go through. So there's going to be a good team miss out somewhere along the way. You know, there's going to be a, there's going to be a, a disappointed nation somewhere along the way. Sure, and for those that don't know, you're in Pool B in Tokyo. That pool includes Japan, South Korea, who you mentioned is your first game, Team Australia, China, and the Czech Republic. Two teams advance, and the teams that advance out of there stay in Tokyo, and eventually the teams that advance from there come over to the States, Miami in particular. What, what do you think? What do you think about your team's chances? How does your team look going into this? Well, on paper, and you would say that we'd be the third-ranked team, and we are the third-ranked team. Team Japan's number one, South Korea ranked number three, I believe, right now in the world. We, we snuck up to six before COVID. We're down to 10 now, basically, from just inactivity as a national team. Um, so so that's that's the difficult part. That's the difficult part is we have to take down one of them. Probably the good thing is, is Australia, we're, we're not in Asia, but we're in Oceania, so... We have a lot of crossover with the, the um, team Samurai. We play we play them quite a bit in some exhibition games. We have a bit of a feel for each other, and we have a little bit of a history of always um, giving them a real tough time. And if there was one team in the event in the first round that Team Japan are looking over their shoulder, it'll be Team Australia. I know that may be difficult to to really understand, but you mentioned back in two thousand four, we won a silver medal. Well, we beat Team Samurai. Twice, I think, in five days. We beat Daisuke Matsuzaka. And that, that's always stuck with them because they understand tournament plays as good as anybody else. Um, we, we, played, we played Korea quite a bit. We had them the first game. They're a lot more talented than people realize. They are a lot more talented. They have some really good athletes. And the thing that I'm seeing around Asia, Asian baseball, the athletes are getting bigger. Mm. You go back 20 years ago, I was very impressed with their talent their work ethic and how they did things. Their understanding of the game is, is second to none. But now you're starting to see the diets change. You're starting to see these big athletes. And you're going to see some players come out of Asia in the next two to four years that are really going to impact, I think, the major leagues. You know, so so we have to take one of them down. And um, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of built-up pressure because it's all about, you know, for us, 12 midday tomorrow. That's what it's all about. Yeah, Absolutely. So here's something that I think, and you and I have had this conversation. I think we actually discussed it when you were in the bullpen with me uh, the first time. I think sometimes, even though you know, I mentioned in my podcast that, that just dropped the, the yesterday, I guess it is, that I have a rooting interest for three teams. Team USA, because this is where I live. The Dominican Republic, because of my time there. And then I brought up Australia, because of my time there. And more importantly, because of my friendship with you. That said, I think there's something that that people in the United States may not get, and that is how important something like this is 
for a nation? How important is this for the people of Australia? Well, I think just as a person, when I, when I speak about, you know, the influence we have, when I, when I speak with the players, I think the one thing, one thing the players know, everyone that is on our roster, everyone on our roster played in the Australian Baseball League at some time this year. Everyone in our roster at some stage played with or against each other when they were 14 or 15 or 16 years old. So when you play for Australia, you come from a small group of athletes, so you have a real opportunity to influence the next generation. I know you hear that stuff said all the time. In America, you're playing the big leagues. You have a lot of fans. Like, you have a lot of people that follow you. They want your autograph. This is different. You, you have an opportunity to influence um, young kids and young people for the future. You have the chance to grow a sport, you know, to, to help it survive. Not, not grow the numbers from 2 billion to 3 billion followers. <laughs> to grow the numbers from 60,000 people playing the game to 80,000 and really, really build the foundation. So, um, you know, when you're born and you start playing baseball in Australia, you don't think about that stuff. But as you get older, you realize how much of an impact you have. And, and coming from Australia, we're, we're separated from the rest of the baseball world. So it's a very big commitment from your, your family and all your support that you grow up around. And when, when these players get older, they, they reflect and they realize, wow, this is pretty intense, all the support I've had all the money people have spent on me. Um, and so, you know, today, even after our workout today, we're trying to, we're trying to do our best to have a gathering of just all the, the close friends and the close family that are in here in Tokyo, just to acknowledge, not the players, to acknowledge all the support and all the help that um, they've taken to get here. Um, you know, so it's, it's, a really, it's a really special. Um, guys normally sign contracts when they're 16, 17, maybe a little bit older, they get caught up in the professional system, they get caught up in that and they go on that little journey but when they come back to Team Australia they're reminded about just their whole their whole, whole upbringing. Um, it's a, just a fantastic experience and and again, the large group of, of players I have, they've been released out of professional baseball. I was sharing with someone yesterday, the best way I could describe this group, if I was to try to describe them or compare them to uh, US athletes, is there a bunch of bunch of players who have been to big league camp three or four times, never made the club, hmm. but they're still hanging around? But we've got a group of them. And even though they got released when they were young, every time you play an international event, it's like going to spring training and learning. I'm talking about big league camp. It's like going there and learning about big league camp. So the advantage we have in Australia is we have a very small pool of athletes to choose from. It's our disadvantage as well. But the advantage we have is, is we have guys who've played in five or six international events. They know how this deal works. You know, they're that 31 year old who's been at big league spring training cut. He's been that four times and he still wants to, he, he now knows he can compete. Mm. You know, he wants to show them I can compete. So I have a group of those athletes and I also have a group of young guys. So I've got the old guys teaching the young guys what it's all about. What it's all about. It's just a fantastic environment. But put all that emotion aside, emotion is not going to win any games here. Not one bit of emotion is going to help you execute a pitch or, or you know do whatever you need to do when you're hitting. So it's getting that balance. It's it's dealing with emotions you don't normally deal with on a stage you don't normally play on, under scrutiny you don't normally have, and. Um, it's just a wonderful experience. It really is. 
Well, you've touched there. That that you touched on some of the things that are great about this tournament. I want to follow up and ask you a few more. And and it can be personally, or it can be from a standpoint of you know the Australian team. But what are some of the more enjoyable aspects of being a part of the World Baseball Classic? You touched on some just a moment ago, but bring up a few more. Yeah, Mark, it's all about people. Honestly, it is all about people. It's it's about being – it's just seeing well, – for me, Team Australia, seeing the players just being rewarded and, and kind of realizing their dreams and seeing their families, realizing all the support they've been given um, – that's a really enjoyable thing, but the event itself, it's a big league event. You know, we get treated really well, wonderful stadiums. Um, you know, I've been in Japan the last two weeks, experienced the culture, and even that is just an incredible experience. So it's something that I think 2026 is the next one. We already marked it in our calendar. You know, once we get through this, we'll start looking at the next one. There are so many wonderful things that happen. You meet people from all different countries, you know, similar to major leagues, but I mean, everywhere you go, there's interpreters everywhere. There's, it's just such a unique experience. You know, in a hotel with people from China, from all through Europe, um, superstars from Japan and Korea, and then all the support staff, all the officials, you're meeting historic people like Sadahari Yo and, mm. and all, all the people that you've never heard of who are as important as Sadahari Yo in, in these smaller countries. So the, if you're a baseball person and you, just like people, this is a great place to be. Yeah, and that's a, that's the thing I I really miss about baseball is the people. Again, the people from all over the world, people that some of them think and act a lot like you and I. Some of them think and act completely different than you, than you and I. But baseball people collectively are a great group of people to be around. They're very enjoyable to spend time with. So here's my next question. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, my next question is. What does a typical day look like for you and your team? Let's just say um, tomorrow. Well, actually, let's say today because it's early morning for you right now in Japan. So what does today look like? What's going to happen as you get prepared for the first game tomorrow? Yeah, well, I'll start back yesterday. We were in Miyazaki, which is the southern, most southern part of Japan. We we woke up, we had a 8.15 bus, we jumped to the field, uh, did a little bit of media, had a workout, uh, grab lunch, played an exhibition game down Miyazaki, uh, shot back to the hotel, got changed quickly, jumped on a plane, flew to Tokyo, got into a hotel 11 o'clock last night. It's uh, 6.20 in the morning now as I'm speaking to you. We I have 8 o'clock. Uh, meetings, we have a 10 o'clock bus, we're going out to the Dome, um, check out the Dome, we have a workout at 12 o'clock between 10.30 and 12, we have uh, media, we have uh, photography we have to do, I have press conferences, so we get the feel for 90 minutes, and, and in Japan, 90 minutes means 90 minutes, <laughs> so you get, the, you get the feel for 90 minutes, after that, the guys will have uh, some, some uh, lunch, at the stadium, I have then my uh, my interviews I have to do with. I'll grab a few players and we'll speak to the press more about specifically tomorrow. I will get back to the hotel today, three thirty, and then uh, I have a technical to me meeting tonight at ten o'clock from ten to eleven with all the other staff and the other teams and all the officials just to 
go through every rule of everything can happen in four different languages and make sure that uh, umpires and everyone will be there. And really today, it's worked out to be one of our, our better days. So when we get back from 3.30 till, till um, tomorrow, the guys are fine. Tomorrow, 8 o'clock bus, game day 12 o'clock. And that's, that's how it is. And everything is to a T. Every minute is, is to a T. Um, your travel party is, is uh, a very big group of people. And, you know, my role is basically just pulling it all together and making sure everyone's in place. I did mention earlier, uh, when we do get back in the afternoon, we, we do have an unusual gap of time. Um, I'm going to try to meet my family, take, take him to my son to the Mizuno store and let him have a look at some of the gear there. Hopefully get a cheap deal. <laughs> and then uh, we're going to try to get the friends and family of Team Australia, everyone that's made a trip to Japan. Um, we're going to try to get together, have a little gathering, and just um, you know thank them all for their time and, and just being here and support. Yeah, so obviously very busy, a lot on your plate. You are the manager. So now I want to circle back. We began by talking about your experience both in international competition like the Olympics and the WPC as well as your experience in Major League Baseball. I want to come back to that experience and ask how, in a tournament like this, you mix the info you receive with what your eyes see. Or to put it differently, how do you deal with, how do you mix the data and analytics with your experience as you try to manage? And again, the big difference is it's a different team. According to what I have written down here, you first begin with uh, Korea, and then China, and then Japan, and then the Czech Republic. So different team every day. But how do you work with the data and analytics that I'm sure is available to you in quite a large degree, but also your experience, your eyes, and not only just yours, but your coaching staff as well? Yeah, well, the main thing you're dealing with is a heartbeat. That's the first thing you're dealing with. You're dealing with people. So so we we had a trip to Sapporo, the northern island of Japan, the last November. And so in November, we knew our schedule. We knew that most of our games were 12 o'clock games. And so basically we set out, we've been in Japan for two weeks and we've had a camp for two weeks. And so every morning has been an early morning start. So getting up early for us, our body clocks are regulated for early time in Japan. So the 12 o'clock games don't sneak up on us. So everyone's not waking up tired. So that's the first thing we did. Um, we started having report meetings back in November and the main messaging is we don't want to overload, right? We don't want to overload for the moment. If you're not that guy, we don't want you overloading. We need to simplify everything we're doing, all right? We need to simplify everything we're doing. Um, based on my messaging, the pitches is you will not face a hit of twice, all right? So you need when you come into pitch, you need to be ready to pitch to this one guy like it's the one time in your life. How are you going to get him out? Let's just keep it simple. How are you going to get this one guy out? You get to face him once in your life. All right. You're not going to lose with your third best pitch. You're not going to throw your fourth best pitch. Um, and that's what the event's like. On the flip side, it's very tough to hit us. So we have all the data. We have all the analytics. Um, and then we try to map out how it works. Thankfully for our schedule, we play um, South Korea the first day. Then we have a day off. That allows us to recoup a little bit. Um, we do have a good draw. Then we play China, and then we play Japan on the third night. We know nothing about China, zero, which is really which is really good. So we have to default back to just going and playing baseball. 
you know, we have to default back to that. Um, coming off a game where, you know, we have heavily um, researched as much as we can team career. Um, we'll find out probably today who their starting pitcher is. And then you flip that, you go to China, and then we've got the big game against uh, Japan, which we have an abundance of everything you could think of, every bit of information you can think of. As I said previously, we play against Japan quite a bit, so we played them in November in two exhibition games, have a bit of a feel for who they are. They brought in some new guy from the Angels, Otani, so we need to do <laughs> sort of research around who he is. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think I he's think very he's good. I, I think he's overrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, someone said, let's just put him on. And I said, well, you haven't seen the, the third baseman who hits behind him. <laughs> so, it's not as simple as just pitching around Otani, let me tell you. Um, but again, Mark, you have this foundation of information. But when you get out there, you know, you have to laugh the heartbeat. You have to laugh for everything. And as a manager, um, I just, I just, you know, my messaging is just attention to detail, attention to detail, make it a habit, be as prepared as we can. And then I just, I just watch the game and I'm, I'm looking for heartbeats. I'm looking for good reactions, bad reactions. And picture, you got a three, three better minimum. That's it. I, I'm not, I'm not, I cannot see leading into the event. I, you know, I cannot see, Anyone on our team pitching more than three innings or two innings, I just cannot see it happening. It just it makes no sense to have someone double up and give them a chance, give the hitters any sort of advantage. So um, it's a tough event to hit in. It's a very tough event to hit in. You're not going to see many um, high averages. I, I guess sometimes some teams will beat up on maybe a, a lesser team, I guess, but it's a tough one. You just got to try to win that big moment. It's, it's, it's that simple, a lot of failure in big moments and you just got to work through it. And, and one team's going to win the big moment. I just hope that's us. And I do too. I am looking forward to watching it generally, but especially to watch how team Australia does. Uh, David, I appreciate you taking the time very early in the morning in Japan to join me and uh, I'll be rooting for team Australia. My pleasure, Mark. Always, always enjoy speaking to you, and uh, hopefully we'll get through that second round. I hope so, too. I am very grateful that David got up early in the morning in Japan to join us for this special edition of In the Bullpen. As I mentioned at the beginning, the first round of the 2023 World Baseball Classic gets underway tonight, 11 p.m. Eastern. And in just a few days, the field of 20 teams will be down to only eight. I sincerely hope that David Nilsson leads his team into the quarterfinals. He is a good man. He is a tremendous friend of mine and a brother in Christ. David Nilsson has been hugely impactful in Australia in the game of baseball. And even more importantly, among the people who are in it. I hope you enjoyed this special edition of In the Bullpen. And you may be wondering if there might be more special editions on the way. But that's a conversation for another day. Join us next time for In the Bullpen on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Thank you for listening.